Welcome to Podcasts on Demand, a continuing medical education activity. This activity includes the most recent and current clinical data presented by leading experts. If you are seeking continuing education credit, please review the disclosures and the requirements for a successful completion of the activity prior to listening to the podcast. A link is found in the podcast description that can direct you to this information. Welcome. This three-part podcast series explores the emerging evidence in the treatment of triple negative breast cancer, or TMBC, to improve the disparities and outcomes. I'm Dr. Bill Gratisher, and I'm joined by Drs. Yuan Yuan and Rita Nanda. As you are aware, triple negative breast cancer has a poor prognosis. The heterogeneous tumor biology, aggressive clinical course, and higher metastatic potential underscores an unmet need in managing patients with triple negative breast cancer. New and emerging agents may hopefully fulfill an unmet need for our patients with triple negative disease. However, rapidly evolving evidence in triple negative disease can present challenges in aligning practice with the latest clinical data and guideline recommendations. In this first virtual roundtable conversation, we review the biology and burden of triple negative breast cancer to develop personalized TMBC therapeutic approaches. Hello, I'm Dr. Bill Gratisher from Northwestern University in Chicago, and I wanna welcome you to Treatment Progress in Triple Negative Breast Cancer, Improving Disparities and Outcomes with New Approaches. As I said, this is my affiliation and my role at Northwestern. I'm also joined by colleagues, Dr. Yuan Yuan, who's the director of the Breast Cancer Research Program and a clinical professor at UCLA and Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in LA, as well as Dr. Rita Nanda, associate professor of medicine and director of the Breast Oncology Program at the University of Chicago. And as you noted, all our disclosures have been outlined as well. So what we're going to try to accomplish over this three-part conversation is a number of different things, and we're not going to go into huge detail, but hopefully we'll cover a lot of the relevant things, particularly for those who take care of patients with triple negative breast cancer. And we're going to look at the factors that influence TMBC prevalence and outcomes, uh, look at the burden of TMBC, uh, examine or at least discuss some of the screening and treatment guidelines for TMBC and how these can be individualized to specific patients and then look at uh, specific disease and patient-specific factors that may influence the decision we have for a given treatment in a specific patient. We'll also talk at least uh, to some degree about some of the new emerging clinical data for the treatment of triple negative breast cancer and look at some of the side effects that we know are associated with some of these newer therapies. And as is true with any aspect of patient care, we have to look at ways that we can mitigate healthcare disparities, and that's particularly relevant in triple negative breast cancer. And that'll certainly be one of the topics that we focus on uh, during one of our conversations. So these are the three segments that we'll be talking about, uh, the biology and burden of the disease, meaning triple negative breast cancer, looking at treatment options and how we individualize it, and then finally looking at the issue of healthcare inequities and looking at some of the social determinants of healthcare and how we address these disparities. So let's get going with what is the first part. And, you know, although I should 
preface all of this by saying that although you'll see slides that have a lot of information on them, we're making an effort not for this to be a didactic lecture, but rather to make a few comments about some of the things that you may see on the slides, and then really talk between ourselves about how we uh, feel this data is reflected in day-to-day -day clinical practice. So if we start out with looking at uh, triple negative breast cancer biology, I think that uh, Rita will talk a little bit more about this when she gets into uh, her discussion. But we recognize that uh, you know triple negative breast cancer, as often uh, reflected by how people refer to it, is often considered the absence of hormone receptors, estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and HER2. So in a very simplistic way, it's defined by what it is not. But if you look at the upper left, you can see pie diagrams that look at a variety of data sets where the molecular characteristics of so-called triple negative breast cancer are examined on a more granular level. And you can see that you can even further subtype it into different uh, segments based on certain molecular features, basal like one, two, um, you know, the androgen receptor and mesenchymal. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. And of course, ultimately what we want to come from this kind of uh, research is being able to tailor therapy that perhaps is specific for each one of those. And we'll talk about whether we've gotten there yet or not. We know triple negative breast cancer does occur in about 15% of patients. Uh, you know, if you're depending on the center or your area of interest, you may see a greater fraction of these patients. But if you look at the universe of breast cancer, it's about 15%. We do know some features about breast cancer that is referred to as triple negative, and that is that it tends to be more aggressive. Uh, it can be highly proliferative. So if you look at things like key 67 or other metrics of proliferation, uh, it could be high. And uh, at the same time, these tend to be, at least at the outset, tumors that could be more responsive, but they also uh, tend to have features that are, are not good uh, in terms of um, uh, risk of early recurrence, uh, oftentimes in uh, areas of the body that are problematic, including uh, brain mets and visceral mets. And once that happens, uh, and we'll talk about some of the newer therapies, but we still have oftentimes an abbreviated overall survival. And we know that in a fraction of these patients, uh, BRCA1 and 2 mutations can occur, and we may talk about that as well. So before I even go to the next slide, um, I just wanted to see if this sort of description of triple negative breast cancer, which is a broad breaststroke look at it, as outlined on this slide, <clears throat> resonates with Yuan um, and Rita, just in terms of uh, what they see in their patients. Is this uh, characterize the patients that you see that end up with triple negative breast cancer? Yuan, you want to comment perhaps first? Yeah, thank you, Bill. So yes, so this slide, especially in the middle one, really depicted the biological behavior we see in clinic. And they're not the same disease to start with, but then over time, you may also observe a longitudinal um, so-called, um, you know, variations or phenotype, subtype shift, shifting between the primary versus uh, metastasis. And also to add a little bit of more granularity to the picture, 
We often also observe our ER positive patients at time of initial diagnosis and with the treatment pressure, especially with now the endocrine therapy, we often observe later on, perhaps 15% of these patients were shifted to a so-called triple negative breast cancer. So um, that is commonly comes up in the in clinic. Um, can I ask, uh, maybe Rita can comment on that last comment you made. And that is that, you know, we see this observation that over time, uh, certainly between the primary tumor diagnosis and ultimately a patient developing recurrence, that there can be a change in some of the features of the tumor on a molecular level. Do you think this reflects actual transformation? Or is it that if you, as an example, are treating with adjuvant therapy for something that is not triple negative, you really eradicate that population and maybe a subclone that is more triple negative is that which comes back and dominates. Do we know, or do you have a sense of that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. And I think there's probably not just one answer to that question. Um, but, you know, I thought, Bill, you did a really nice job talking about the heterogeneity of triple negative breast cancer, but breast cancer in general, all the different types are heterogeneous. And absolutely we see cases where patients are hormone receptor positive, they get endocrine therapy, and then at the time of recurrence have triple negative disease. And I really do, you know, think that a, a big part of that is that we've eradicated the clone that's hormone receptor positive with our selective pressure from endocrine therapy. And we do know that about 20% of the time our receptors change, not always, sometimes there are other mechanisms of resistance to therapy. But, you know, I, I definitely think that those patients who had ER positive disease who recur as triple negative behave differently than patients who are triple negative from the start. And so I think that really is, you know, the selective pressure of killing off the hormone receptor positive clone and, and what's left is, is just different and behaves differently is biologically generally more sensitive to traditional chemotherapy than um, triple negative sort of de novo disease. I want to spend a moment on the demographics a little bit because I, I also know that we're going to have an entire conversation about that topic in particular. But both Yuan and uh, Rita, you have a focused interest in triple negative disease. Uh, so you may see a, a larger volume of these patients over the, um, you know, the entirety of your practice. So are you finding, you know, this uh, highlighting that there tend to be younger, oftentimes African-American uh, later stage, is that hold true to you, your experience? Uh, you, want, you want to comment on that? So right on topic. So I think recently um, in my practice, there's a surge of young triple negative, not necessarily African-American population because where I live, where I practice is LA. So we do see, um, I have a pocket of Hispanic population. I have also the BRCA. BRCA1 uh, associated triple negative breast cancer. And I'm sure you are aware of the recent data on young under 40 triple negative breast cancer or breast cancer in general. I'm just being, my practice is being overwhelmed by the young people recently. Uh, I agree with young, but perhaps because of my practice population, I've seen, um, I did not see enough uh, African-American folks. Well, Rita, you're geographically located in a place where that you may have a skewed population, perhaps. So do you want to comment on yeah. that? 
No, I mean, I definitely do see a lot of young women. I see a lot of black women with triple negative disease. Um, but, you know, I do want to comment, you know, I'll, I'll see patients, obviously, who are older. I'll see women who are not black, they're white with triple negative breast cancer. And they come to my practice and they say, well, we're the unicorn. We're, we're not young, we're not black, and we've got triple negative disease. Well, if you think about it, um, black, white women are more likely to develop breast cancer than black women. And breast cancer incidence increases as women get older. So there are a very large proportion of patients who are not black, who are not young, who have triple negative breast cancer. So while I, because of where I practice and the patient population I serve, see a lot of young black women with triple negative breast cancer, I see a large number of women who are white or other racial and ethnic groups with triple negative disease and also those women who are older. So I think that, you know, it's, it's important to recognize that while we think that, you know, black women are more likely to develop triple negative breast cancer um, than white women and younger women are more likely to develop triple negative breast cancer than maybe older women. Still a large part of the women who develop triple negative breast cancer are white and are older. So. Okay. And you want to, before we move off this slide, I wanted you just perhaps to make a comment about uh, the prevalence of BRCA mutations in this population. I will get to a conversation where we have to keep it in mind more broadly across all breast cancer, but in particular in this group of women who have uh, triple negative disease, uh, how do you think about BRCA prevalence and testing? Yes, so mostly we see um, in this population, approximately 10 to 15% are BRCA1 mutation carrier. Extremely rarely we'll see BRCA2 because for some reason BRCA2 is often associated with either um, hormone receptor positive or HER2 positive disease. So yes, there is definitely a connection here. Okay, great. So let's move on. So this is familiar to everybody when you look at the different subtypes, uh, meaning uh, not the molecular subtypes, but using the the, the general way that we categorize patients, perhaps in the clinic, whether they're hormone receptor positive or not, HER2 positive or not, or absence of all, in other words, triple negative breast cancer, we find that in the population with triple negative disease, they really fall out in the top panels. You can see that they tend to have a worse prognosis. And we're hopeful, and that'll be the subject of the second conversation, that some of the things that we're learning both biologically as well as therapeutically are going to alter these curves. But that has been the reality for many years. And on the bottom panel, uh, one can see again that uh, in comparison to anything that's not triple negative disease, so whether you're hormone receptor positive, but HER2 negative or vice versa, or all the markers are positive, these are patients who may also have a somewhat higher risk in the first couple of years, but we know that if you have triple negative disease, that that peak is higher. And although it diminishes over time, it never actually goes completely to zero. So there, there's sort of this dogma, of course, that if you get past the first couple of years, you're clear of any risk. And we know that it certainly diminishes, and that's most evident on the far right but it probably never goes to zero. And we always have to be aware of that. And that peak in the first couple of years is quite high. So that's your um, highest risk. So I guess uh, I'll start with you, Rita. I mean, there, there are 
I'm confident there's nothing surprising about these uh, graphs to you and your own personal experience. And both of all of us have been doing this for a while. Do you think, uh, you know, we're going to be perturbing those curves up on the top or the bottom with any of the new therapies we have? I mean, I definitely think that we're doing a better job uh, treating patients with triple negative breast cancer. We've got targeted therapies for subsets that are available now and the antibody drug conjugates, which are certainly pushing the needle, but we're also improving the care of patients with HER2 positive disease and hormone receptor positive disease at the same time. So while we're overall improving outcomes, increasing cure rates, uh, it still is the triple negative subtype that seems to do the most poorly. And, and I think for the foreseeable future will be the subtype that continues to have um, the highest need for improvement. Yuan, your, your, your take on this? Yeah, I agree. Um, and then it's frustrating. Um, I think we probably will talk about the neoadjuvant treatment later. Um, I do think I see the peak. I'm staring at the peak for the early progressors. And often, perhaps they're correlating with those patients we treat with nowadays chemotherapy plus immunotherapy. And then quickly they, they relapse once they finish the last dose of pembrolizumab. Um, so I think there's still a lot of need in treating those high-risk refractory disease. But hopefully with all the novel treatment, one day we can change the curve. Yeah, and I share that sentiment and hope as well. So the last uh, slide, uh, I think uh, it reflects some data that has been published from a variety of different sources, suggesting that in those patients that harbor a triple negative breast cancer, uh, particularly as they develop a disease recurrence, as opposed to other subtypes, they may have greater um, problems with respect to hospitalizations, ER visits, higher costs overall. And, you know, I think we would all probably share the sentiment that if you develop metastatic disease, it's not a good thing. And, you know, oftentimes uh, there's an extended for the rest of your life kind of therapy. But, you know, the certainly with hormone-sensitive breast cancer, you know, the toxicities related to many of the therapies, at least at the outset, are a bit more tolerable. Uh, patients perhaps aren't away from work as much. Once we start getting into the need for chemotherapy and other toxic uh, drugs, as well as the pattern of progression that we see in triple negative breast cancer, many patients are utilizing the healthcare system to a greater degree. And although that's a rather simplistic way of distilling everything that was in this paper, um, I think that probably is sort of a reflection of reality. So, you know, I think this will come up again in that third conversation we have about, you know, the social determinants of health. Uh, but again, what what's your impressions of, uh, Rita, in terms of you know, some of these elements here affecting people once they have a diagnosis of triple negative breast cancer? Well, I mean, I 100% agree the quality of life and hospitalization rates are more than the other subtypes, right? These are patients who are more likely to develop brain metastases and potentially end up in the ER with symptoms from brain metastases or, um, you know, unlike 
hormone receptor positive disease where we've got a lot of oral endocrine based strategies. These are all IV treatments that generally come with more side effects. And while some of our newer therapies have a better association with improvement in quality of life as compared to traditional chemotherapy, um, you know, there's, it's still more toxic than some of the targeted therapies that we've got available. So this is not a surprise and something that we fully expect. Patients are more likely to have visceral crises, progress more rapidly, have, um, you know, cancer-related pain that requires management. So it is definitely something that we see. Uh, Yuan, any, uh, anything to add there? I um, completely agree and echo the, um, everybody just, just commented, this is a disease requires a lot more um, hospitalization or, or clinic in clinic visits, IV therapy, and, and patients often are younger. They're probably the main income bringer for the family and then maybe caregiver themselves. So I think besides the, um, uh, what patients experience is impact a bigger family in a, in a bigger sense for society. We hope you found this podcast useful and educational. To receive continuing education credit and to download your printable certificate, please go to the activity page at practice.cme.com to complete the post-test and evaluation to receive continuing education credit.